hello and welcome to the Game Till 5 podcast. My name is Steph and I'm joined as always by my cosplay co-host Nicola. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Hello. Hi Nikki. How's it going? I'm hot. It is warm. It's fucking warm I think is the description. It is fucking warm. Yeah. And I am living in an attic currently that has been warmed up like an oven so I might combust that's fine as long as you know give me some warning before you burst into flames i will i'll like, try just excuse yourself but yeah it's all good it's been a while it has been a while yeah so since we started our new routine it feels like ages since we've done a podcast because it has been a while it has been a lot has happened it has a we've lot has happened we've managed to do some streaming which has been fun which was a good first stream session i thought i had fun anyway it was very good. And if, if you want to check it out, it's now on YouTube and it's on Twitch for however long it's on Twitch for. Uh, it was fun. We broke out of prison and we're on holiday now. So Yeah, we're running a lovely farm. We started a beautiful romance, prison break we romance. Did. And uh, if you want to see more of that, then catch our streams that we're going to do in the future. Maybe next week we'll do one. Who knows? I yeah, don't. Throw it in there. We have no planning. This is not an organised event that we ever run. But more about me, I've yeah. I've had a busy month. I was a best man at my you brother's were a wedding. Best man. I had a birthday. You did. You got older. I got a tattoo. So everything has been, and now I'm in flames, burning alive <laughs> to record this podcast. You've had a very hardcore, you know, couple of weeks. Yeah. What about you? What have I been doing? Uh, I went to a wedding, not the same wedding, but I Another went to a wedding. friend's wedding. More weddings. My uh, actually, my existence recently has just been wedding after wedding after wedding. I've just been watching people get married. Um, apart from that, work and melting, I think, is my two two words that spring to mind. Yeah, melting. That's a good word for it. Melting and celebrating your birthday with you. That was fun. Yeah, I don't remember just, it. No. We had, I remember dancing and I remember looking like Hopper from Stranger Things and being very happy about it. <laughs> you did. You danced with Hopper style. Yeah. But anyway, we're off track. We are off track. Um, if you have never listened to our show before, every now and again, I guess, me and Nikki come together and discuss our top fives in various video gaming topics. Uh, what is our topic this week, Nikki? Our topic this week is... Our top five Xbox 360 games. She doesn't sound salty at all about this. I, I feel like I have to clue the listeners in a little bit, uh, Nikki, about your slight distaste for Xbox. I don't hate Xbox. It's just... It's a struggle. I don't necessarily love it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just don't like it at all. I'm, I'm trying not to in piss any people off. Of my being. I had, I had an Xbox 360. That's why I agreed to this one, because I thought, it's fine. I'll do an Xbox, but it'll be the one that I had. I must admit, I had a love-hate relationship with this console because it died on me about five times. In fact, I don't even think it was the original one that I had because the Red Ring of Death was a thing and maybe that's where my maybe somewhat where dislike started. for Xbox started. But hey, I had a lot of fun on 360. I played a lot of games on it. A lot of first games were played on it. So it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm very hot. It's fine. Yeah, you're just going to be a seething ball of heat and anger, I think, by the end of this podcast. Yep. 
but I've got some red wine that's going to get me through. I've not. I've turned my fan off. This is this is where the problems have started because I didn't want to affect the audio for the listeners. So be thankful that I'm currently dying for you. You you're turning just a sweaty mess. If at any point I just you know trail off and just disappear for a moment, that it's it's fine. I'm probably fine. Just need a moment. <laughs> I'll send someone round, it's fine. Thank you. But anyway, 360 games. Yes, 360 games. Um, whose turn is it this week? I feel like it's mine. It is I yours, I feel like you went first on our last episode, which was Final Fantasy characters. For anyone that's not watched that one. Yeah. So, I guess we now have our other music intro play. Yeah, that's normally how we do yeah. our routine on this thing. Cool, let's do that. Okay, just for you. What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? A three-headed monkey. Let's go. I can't even dance. I have to restrain myself from that. I think that's that's difficult as well because that's a very dancey track. I wanted to, but I just knew that if I moved a muscle, you know, it would just make me warmer. I have this wonderful image of you sitting as still as you possibly can <laughs> in a dark room with wine, only moving to drink it. Oh, I've got the window like wide open. I mean, we might have seagulls again, but that seems like nothing <laughs> compared to the fiery inferno I'm currently living in. Yeah, I think we can take the seagulls. Although there was a news story the other day about a seagull taking a small chihuahua. Yeah. Fuck. Seagulls Horrendous. are crazy. They are. Yeah. It must Fun. have been a... Yeah. I bet it was well, that one. The seagulls we have around here, they're a nightmare. I think it was. It was that one you scared away. He was out for vengeance. I could just see it in his eyes. He was evil. Yeah. I think that's fair. Plotting his chihuahua kidnap. I hope they find that chihuahua. I hope they do too. I was going to say kill that seagull bastard. And I did. You did. You just went for it. You just thought, <laughs> seagull genocide. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a chihuahua or a thing. seagull. I mean, chihuahuas are strange, but I think I'd still pick the chihuahua. Yeah, I think I think I would too. To be fair, seagulls, I don't have a great relationship with them where I live. I'm surrounded by them, as you are, by, by the sea. Um, yeah. And I do always remember one time uh, I was in a house and there was a window right next to my bed and a roof just outside that. And I woke up one morning to the most horrendous noise. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I could see out of my window. And there was just two seagulls fucking, staring <laughs> at me and squawking into my face. That's a beautiful image. It was horrendous. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just like, do I apologize? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for seeing this. Well, and I was like, no, you're doing this on purpose. I feel like the way that they were looking into your eyes when they wanted you to see... Yeah, they don't do. look away, Steph. See this, <laughs> see this with your eyes. It was terrifying. <laughs> I've been scarred for life. Well, we're letting the seagulls ruin our podcast again, so we need to stop this. We are. What is your number five? Let's. My number five is Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Oh, I don't yeah. think I've ever played this Banjo Kazooie game. That's how I'm going to start off. Well, it's not as bad as you think, because hmm. I don't know. Some people, I think, maybe would assume it was a shit kind of sequel um although it's not technically the first sequel because there was banjo 2 right yeah but banjo 2 oh sorry (laughs) 
Yeah, continue. <laughs> I was going to say, Banjo-Tooie uh, was also on the N64 and was very, very similar to Banjo and Kazooie. Nuts ah. and Bolts seemed different. Nuts and Bolts is different. It is a action-adventure game developed by Rare. We've spoken about Banjo-Kazooie a lot, so I don't need to go too much into Rare. We speak about them quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it was actually the fifth title in the Banjo-Kazooie series. I don't know what came before that, apart from Banjo-Tooie. Yeah, there was something else. I, yeah, I can name two. Don't know. Sorry I don't mm. have that information for you. But it was released Mystery. for Xbox 360 worldwide in November 2008, where I was a youngin'. And I liked I liked this game a lot, and I was surprised that I liked this game, for one of the reasons I will go into. But the game takes place eight years following the conclusion of Banjo Tooie, in which Gruntilda's body was destroyed by Banjo Kazooie, and in the time since, the two have become very lazy, and Banjo a little bit on the wide side, which is quite endearing in the beginning because you you start as him and you sort of wander around, and and they've purposely made him quite big. Obviously, they're trying to make a point, but it's yeah. it's quite cute. But anyway. Uh, what happens is Gruntilda's attached head returns to the Spiral Mountain for some reason. Do you say her detached head? Yeah, her detached head. I do remember her having some weird I can't things happen to her. I can't remember the ins so. and outs of how her head got there. I mean, that's fine. You carry on with your story. <laughs> but it did. So, <laughs> um, they, you know, they see each other and they, they hug and, and it's, all, it's all, you know, all lovely. Aww. But, um, they're interrupted by the sudden appearance of the Lord of Games, or Log, L-O-G, who is the creator of all video games, and he decides to settle the conflict between the two by devising a series of worlds and challenges. Um, he uses his power to give Gruntilda an artificial body, which is fucking great, because then she's mobile, and we know how much yeah. we hate Gruntilda. Yeah. So, <laughs> basically, he wants to challenge them to do stuff, um, and it's uses vehicles it's a vehicle based game that's why i didn't think i'd like it yeah i think that's why i don't think i would like it because it's got some weird mechanics that i'm not sure about you'd be surprised because i i loved it it was very addictive so instead of having gruntilda's lair it's in the main area of showdown town which is like a big town area and it's really cool and it really works for the fact that it uses as a vehicle based game also there's little animal creatures that wander around and there's rhinos in top hats so well that sounds adorable exactly so the game revolves around vehicle construction so you must design like custom vehicles the airplanes like loads of different kinds of vehicles to complete certain worlds so a lot of it is Banjo and Kazooie in the vehicle and you're driving around. You can get out of the vehicle. Like, it doesn't stop you from doing that. But you can create different kinds of vehicles to do different things. And some of the creations are pretty wacky. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very construction-orientated, which, again, didn't think I'd like that much. Yeah. Apparently it was very inspired by Lego blocks, which does make sense because you kind of just, like, pop everything on and, and things like that. Yeah, it's one of those kind of little, like, component builders rather than yeah. free building. The good thing about the game is you can name your vehicles. That's one thing oh. I enjoyed. It's giving them great names. I can imagine. I wish I kinds of names. knew where my shitty Xbox was so that I could have a look at my old Badger Kazooie car names. I think one of them was called the Inseminator. I don't know why. Genius. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. You could be really creative with it. And it was quite fun having to, like, especially if there's a level where you had to be really, really fast, it was quite having to, you know, like, challenge yourself to fight, to build a vehicle that's that's fast. It's very much like Lego in a video game. 
that's with banjo kazooie that's kind of the best way to describe it okay and there's fun races you can do and it's it's i don't think they i think they've remastered it actually so i would recommend it it's a nice light hearted game yeah to be fair i have uh the rare replay uh, that they released. Is it on there? Released. Uh, it is on there. Like every rare game is on there. Well, then you other don't than have any CFC. excuse. I know. It's just been sat there, not being played. Yeah, but it's it's good. It's a, it's it's a standard Banjo Kazooie game, but just with that added sort of concept in there of the vehicle building. And as I said, it doesn't take away from it. It just adds to it, and it's just it was quite different for its time, and I liked it. Yeah. It sounds. I mean, at the time, there wasn't a lot of platformers at all. Uh, this was like the closest to platforming mm. we got. So you're selling it to me. Yeah, I yeah. have to be said. I do kind of want to try and find it out now if I still have rare blue. Yeah, you should. Rare it's it's worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Considering you know it was it was quite far along in the series, it was still very good. Nice. So yeah, and I've got I've got some facts because I don't really have much more to say about it other than it was just good. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, so some of the facts, one of them is to do with the vehicle building, which was it wasn't the actually the initial idea. It, it was it didn't come to mind straight away. Apparently they uh, were originally going to do like just a complete remake, which obviously they did. They did do that, didn't they? They kind of, well, I say complete remake. I mean like they remastered it. Did uh, they remaster what? it? Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah. No. They didn't even make I th- it HD. Oh, I th- think they did for like rare replay and stuff to go on a port. Because ah. you can now get it on like Xbox and stuff still. So they must have up upscaled it a bit. Yeah. Well, they were originally going to do an, an entire remake. Oh. Um, and then they were also going to do a direct sequel to Banjo-Tooie, which was going to be like a traditional platform game, which just had Gruntilda following Banjo-Kazooie around. I'm not really sure how she was following them when she didn't have a head. Uh, fair. It's a floating head. Um, yeah. Another fact I've got is that apparently shortly after release, it was discovered that the text in the game was too small to be read by players with non-HD TVs because that was a time where oh you might have had one or you didn't yeah yeah so HD TV was pretty much in its infancy at this point which meant that some people couldn't even read the screen I probably didn't have HD TV so I probably struggled but apparently rare did really close <laughs> yeah ruined my eyesight for now um, but apparently rare did work on a patch to fix this so they did end up sorting it but yeah also Apparently, sometimes the loading screens will play the pause theme from Battletoads. Just a random fact. That's a must- yeah. That's a weird thing to have <laughs> slipped into their code somehow. I don't know why. I've got I guess, no explanation. I mean, I like the facts with no explanation are often my favourites. Yeah. To be honest, Banjo Kazooie's like games always have the best facts. From what we found, we've spoken about Banjo Kazooie a lot, and we Rare have, we a do lot, love it. Yeah, and they do have good facts. Another good fact is that apparently after getting 6,000 music notes, you can ask Bottles the truth of Stop and Swap, which is like his garage. And when you ask him, he says, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. And we couldn't do that in a game of this rating. Put it out of your mind and think happy thoughts. Thanks for the notes. I like him. I like Bottles a lot. <laughs> he died. He did die. But How did he come back? At the beginning of the game, as leading on to my other fact, when you're like fat banjo because you're wandering around... You find his gravestone and it's like R.I.P. Bottles, and then it has a little note saying that basically, like a week later, he just resurrected himself. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, for a so, small mole. Don't know why, but don't know anyway. how. Don't know why, but <laughs> another good fact is in the skip outside Banjo's house, removing all the junk from it reveals some unusual objects, referencing other rare games, which I don't really know about apart from a couple. These include Ooh. skeleton skulls from Grab by the Ghoulies, 
Fudge Hog from Viva Pinata, who I do know, and a portrait of a bearded old man, possibly Saberman, one of Rare's earliest characters. And there's also a sign with a Rare logo on it, Banjo's Banjo, a pink toy dog from apparently it's like the ice key from a famous stop and stop feature. I don't even know. There's a lot of shit. I just like the fact that they put their old games in there because it just made it seem like they were trash. And they knew they were trash. They're not trash, probably. I was going to say, how dare you? Some good games in that list. No, it's more the fact that they put their own game in the trash. Oh, yeah. That's fair. That's uh, self-deprecating, if ever I heard about it. So those are pretty mediocre facts from a Badger Kazooie game. But the game isn't mediocre. You should play it. Okay. Note taken. I will get on it. And that's my number five. It was a good number five. I'm Thank glad you. we had a we somehow managed to have a, a banjo and kazoo game. We in always here. try. I wasn't expecting it, but I enjoy it. Cool. My number five is a slightly different tone of game to your number five, Banjo and Kazooie, but mine is Dark Souls. Okay. Yeah, Dark Souls, uh, if you've never played it, is a action RPG made by From Software. Um I found out actually it was originally released only on the PlayStation 3 in Japan. So I was slightly worried that I couldn't include it. But I only ever played it on the Xbox and it apparently I was got say, out later. I feel like we should make note that when we say favourite Xbox 360 games, it was the games that we played on the 360, not necessarily exclusives. Yeah, exclusives are difficult, especially that era. Exclusives weren't, I don't know, they didn't really exist on either very much. Like PlayStation 3 at the time only had a couple and I think so did Xbox. So most just kind yeah. of merged. Most things come out on, on the same console, or at least eventually. Yeah. But yeah continue oh thank you um so it takes place in a fictional kingdom uh of lordran uh and you take the role of a undead cursed character who begins their pilgrimage to discover the fate of their people basically essentially if you have never played dark souls it's a dungeon exploring open world game I guess is the easiest way to explore, like explain what it is. But I wouldn't say that really captures what Dark Souls is about. Um, it's kind of a bleak and twisted place, which they managed to capture, I think, quite well in everything. Everything you do in Dark Souls feels a bit bleak and gothic and hopelessness. Um, I think famously these games are known for being challenging or goddamn hard is the is the like term I would use. It's one of those games you can't just... You know, you can't just Leroy Jenkins your way through it. You've got to, like, yeah, that's be really why quite tactical it. with your movements. <laughs> you can't just smash your way through and beat everything. Like, if you wanted to go through and smash everything, it would take you ages and you'd die a lot. Which is one of these things about this game. But I think the f- interesting thing I think about this game is you die a lot and you will die a lot. There's very not ways around it if you have not really played it before. But you don't really get frustration from dying a lot. And if you do, they kind of turn it into something interesting. It has this weird way about it where you don't really get frustrated. You just get more and more determined that you're going to get through this section. You kind of learn to be a little bit picky about the people that you fight. You kind of go, oh, maybe I can beat this guy. And then you hit one thing and he almost kills you in one. And you just roll yourself away to safety. Except there's no real safety. It's it's one of those things where you just kind of wander around and never really find any, you know, any hope. It sounds like hell. It does. It's a it's a very miserable game, but I really enjoy it. I have to say, though, I'm a not a good Dark Souls player, and I often give up in Dark Souls and never really finish them, um, which many Dark Souls players will, you know, frown upon. But 
it's difficult. It's not an easy game. And I, I just don't have all the time in the world sometimes. So as much as I enjoy it, I'm not great. But you don't have to be. It's fine. No. I think that's the thing. The reason I enjoy talking about this game, I think, is that normally development people try really hard to stop players getting really, like, the pain of dying all the time. Uh, but from software, are like, fuck that. We're just going to make you feel that way all the time and turn it into our entire game and make it cool. So it's always really exciting. Uh, it's a kind of game that gives me anxiety for all the right reasons, which, again... <laughs> never sounds nice but it's one of those like so if you've never played it you don't ever go to like villages and stuff like that like there are a couple places you can visit but most of the time your only like checkpoints are these like shitty bonfires in the middle of nowhere where you get to stop for a few minutes and like refill and all your potions and stuff like that and then off you go and then if you die you get respawned back to these checkpoint bonfires but like so does everything else so if you've just like made it through this whole section You're then taken back to your bleak and depressing campfire with no marshmallows whatsoever and told to do it again. It is. I'm I'm sorry. I've never played it. Down this early. I've never played it, and maybe I've done that for good reason. Yeah, I think it's worth trying. I think if you've never done it, you should try it because it's not like many games you'll play. I feel like it's just one of those games where the settings on too hard. And it takes forever, and there's not like enough reward. I could be wrong. I just, but this, when it's when someone says to me a game like that is like impossibly hard, it doesn't make me want to play it. And that sounds silly because there's no like you want a challenge, but I don't want too much of a challenge where I'm going to want to throw my controller into the screen. So I think this is what is imp- always impressive about Dark Souls, and what I like about it is because I'm the same. I don't like hard games. So Cuphead, for example, is a very difficult game, and oh, I yeah. don't really and enjoy raging. that. Dark Souls, it gives you all the tools and ability to do it. Like I said, it kind of encourages you not to try and fight every single thing and get through a clean run. It just basically tries you to get to places. Um, And it kind of does it in a non-frustrating way. It's challenging and you won't do it and you will die. But you kind of have make your own drive with it and you get really into just trying to get somewhere and, you know, doing okay, the different yeah. roles. Kind of like Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter's not a particularly easy game. Bit of and, a grind. Yeah, so to take down those big monsters, it's not, like, you can't just hack and slash at them constantly. Yeah. You've sometimes got to think about what you're doing a little bit to defeat them. And that's all Dark Souls does. It just says, don't just hack and slash with everything. Learn a pattern of how this thing moves and try and, you know try and learn how to defeat this boss rather than just use all your abilities we've given you to defeat this boss yeah you get what i mean um so it's a it's a more thoughtful game um and you do get a lot of self reward out of it but it won't reward you with anything particularly you know nice like a happy village to go and view (laughs) you know that dream she loves to view all of the happy villages i do just to view i'm not gonna go inside (laughs) I just I just want a nice vista every so often, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm very shocked it came out on the 360. I thought it was something newer than that for some reason. Uh, so this is the first one. It's Apparently it's, there's another Souls series of the games, which I've never played, but da- the Dark Souls, uh, this is the first one. I think Dark Souls 2, and there's now Dark Souls 3. Yeah, so I just I didn't realise. But then I feel like I've done that a lot with Xbox 360 games while researching that I've sort of gone, oh shit. That came out on 360, and sometimes I thought they were older or newer. Um, what year did yeah. it come out? Um, so it came out in 2011. 
Uh, which is a bit yeah. later than you'd think for a 360. But I think you forget how long the 360 was around It was for. a long time, right? When did it come out? 2005? So it came out in 2005 and was discontinued in 2016. Wow. Yeah, it is a long-running console. Yeah, I think that's why I forget. A lot of mine, admittedly, are very early Xbox 360 because that was when I still had the tolerance. The tolerance. The tolerance for the 360. That's fair. And that's before... Well, I mean, when did the PlayStation 4 come out? So. Well, it would be PlayStation 3, because I eventually got a PlayStation 3, and then I was happy again. <laughs> I'm raging people in this podcast. I'm sorry. So Both raging. consoles are fine. Everything's fine. I just play games. I'm not fine, because I'm on fire, but both consoles are fine. It's okay. You can make it through, as we can make it through this episode. Um, So, yeah. facts. Um, At the start of the game, just before you create your character, you're asked to select a gift for your chosen undead. Uh, Among the items you can select for is a pendant. Now this pendant, uh, you can't equip it and it seems to have no real power. Uh, Essentially, it doesn't do anything at all. And everyone was just thinking like, why have they put this in? There must be some deeper meaning behind this pendant. You know, everything in Dark Souls has a purpose. What the fuck is this pendant doing? And eventually, years later, uh, the game's director, Hide Taka Miyazaki eventually revealed in an interview that it was nothing but a prank on the players. That's and it did nothing. just cruel. I know, right? I can just imagine him sat there laughing, laughing at us all while we all... You just sit on the internet forums <laughs> on Reddit just being like, what are they thinking it is today? Just cackling with his red wine and cigar. That sounds a lot like you. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, what I'd do I anyway. would do it. Yeah, I was going to say, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to do that. Just put something in. Just to fuck with everyone. Just to, just yeah, just to see what weird theories I can get out of people. Well, that's the kind of things yeah. I like to do. That reminds me of a, something I read the other day online, and I can't remember who wrote it or anything. But I remember them saying that apparently there's this Easter egg in a Futurama game from like twenty, no, like fifteen years ago, where it's like an actual like Easter egg that they've given like some clues for, but nobody can fucking crack it. And it's such an old game, and nobody has figured it out. Smart. Still, nobody's got it. No, man, they it's must crazy. be really like. Do we just tell them at this point? Like, do they? Nah, nah. It's just it's like Ready Player One, right? You just you got to do it. You just got to wait. Yeah, just got to sit there. And maybe and wait forty for years from now, and we may it be all dead. will be revealed when we may be dead from the planet to die in forty years. Increasing air temperature and global warming. Oh yeah, which you're feeling the effects of right now. I am. Yes. I mean, I might not last this entire podcast, so who <laughs> well, knows? We're going to stop chatting shit and get on with it. <laughs> Sorry. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Uh, one more fact for you. Um, when originally announced, the game was titled Dark Ring. Um, but they eventually changed the name because this can be seen as a euphemism for anus. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, however, That's hilarious. the second time the name had to be changed because originally, the first time, it was also unintentionally risque and was called Dark Race. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> Thank oh my God, God they changed that one. But the thing is, it's, it's um, language translation in a sense, isn't it? Because it's a Japanese game, is that right? Um, it is, but I don't, it doesn't say actually whether it was a case of 
this was still named Dark Souls in because I think maybe Dark Souls is just called Dark Souls in Japan as well. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe because I was wondering if like maybe it's a different way of saying it, but then it just seems to translate to to that in our language. But oh no, I think generally the the name while they were naming the game. Oh no, uh, was was <laughs> well, all of these things. I don't think it would have been such a hit for either of those names. <laughs> I think you're right. I, I mean, think you're right. Dark Ring may have been a hit on Pornhub, but maybe not video <laughs> games. Entirely different area of the world. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's my number five for you. Cool. I don't know if we're going to have any crossovers. But I if don't we do, either. we have a lovely gentleman who will scream when we do. Oh! There he is. There he is. That's Beadle. Beadle tells us when we've stepped on each other's toes. Yeah. So my fourth is Eternal Sonata. Oh, did you have that? I did not. I very much love this game, but I mm. did not have it on my list for reasons that I don't know if I'll explain. Well, you can explain them when we've gotten to my when when I'm, when I'm done. You can explain. <laughs> All right, I'll wait my turn. Okay. Sassy. So, Eternal Sonata is a role-playing game. It was first released in 2007 on the Xbox 360. It was later released on PlayStation 3 in 2008, but that's why I put it on the list because I did play it on my Xbox 360. Yeah. And luckily, I think it only red-ringed like right towards the end, so it was fine. Um, <laughs> She's not bitter. No. So Eternal Sonata is, is kind of your typical RPG. There's not really much that sort of differs from other RPGs. Uh, it you know you explore it has turn-based combat but I think one of the things I love about it is how amazing it looked I think especially for its time it had a really nice visuals yeah but the other thing that stands out I think for Eternal Sonata is the weird narrative of the game um, yeah because the story kind of takes place in the mind of the famous composer Chopin uh, but he's kind of dying which is weird mm-hmm. so it is centered on him and he well he died in real life so that wasn't obvious of pulmonary oh my god I can't say this word tuberculosis at the age of 39 I never thought I'd ever bring tuberculosis into a podcast but I have I mean Uh, I'm glad it's this way and not that you actually just brought tuberculosis onto the podcast no 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 I didn't mean like that fucking hell no bringer of tuberculosis (laughs) like a badger You, you can't catch diseases through microphones don't worry but Sadly, Chopin died at the age of 39 and the story envisions this fictional world that he effectively, obviously not the real Chopin, but the, the character Chopin in the game, uh, it's it's kind of in his brain while he's, you know, unconscious and asleep. And it's, it's kind of beautiful in that way because it's he's sort of, in, you know, created this fictional world in his head. And I think he kind of does it in a way that's sort of implied to sort of cope with, unfortunately, like his you know his passing and everything yeah but the it's a very beautiful world that he does create especially musically obviously because that was his whole life and i think that was what i i really liked about it it was just it was just a nice piece of almost artwork in a way so the game is a bit odd because effectively you have a fictional chopin in like a bed and it tells you all about his life and it's based in 1849 sort of only hours before his death and in his unconscious state, as I said, he creates a sort of fictional world, dream world, and he first meets a girl called Poker. And the strange thing about the world that he dreams is that 
people who are terminally ill can use magic, but only people that are terminally ill. So basically, if you're dying, you can use magic, which is a little bit sad. But so Chopin, Mm. because Chopin's a sort of fictional character, is himself in the dream world. And then obviously you get poker. He decides to accompany poker on her journey. And she's just doing some shit. Like, she's just got her own fucking stuff going on. And she wants to go to a place called Forte. Uh, and basically just like save the world and she's a bit of an eco war I think because there's a whole thing going on with mineral powder anyway that's irrelevant <laughs> you join <laughs> you join her on the journey and eventually I think you kind of realise that you are in some sort of purgatory you, I think you know that you're dying in real life and yeah. you're kind of aware that you're in this fantasy world which again is quite dark yeah it's quite a deep game I think if you didn't know, then it wouldn't seem as as dark. But the fact that you seem to be sort of aware of the fact that you're sort of in and out of consciousness, or you're in this weird dream world, almost makes it slightly darker. But, you know, you join her anyway, and you get to the point where, you know, you really want to see the dream to its conclusion. I think you kind of need to complete it to pass away peacefully. Um, but at one point, he seems to start doubting it. He's doubting what's real and what's not. And it becomes quite like, you know, am I here? Am I not here? It's very confusing. Um, but it's very good. And the ending is sad, obviously. But yeah. everything about it, I think, is just really beautiful. And it's very rare to have a game that, that's quite lighthearted, but focuses on something quite dark. Like it's quite a dark topic. Yeah. It definitely deals with it in a very light-handed way, but in a good yeah. kind of light-handed way. Yeah, it's odd. Like, it's certainly very odd, especially when you see it on paper and you read about it and you're like, you know, yeah. how is this such a dark topic looking so... This game makes how no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because I remember when I first started playing it, I hadn't really clocked it. I was yeah. kind of like, oh, I knew, like, the music of Chopin. I really liked classical music, so I liked it in that aspect. But it wasn't until, like, later on that I kind of realised what was happening but you don't, it doesn't like weigh you down. Like it doesn't take away, in my opinion, from the narrative dream world that's happening, which is quite nice and quite exciting. It just seems to, it just does have a bit of dark undertone. But again, it, it makes it unique and it, it tells everybody about Chopin and it's quite nice in that regard, I think, um, yeah, because it tells you about his life and, and everything. So it's, it's almost got that kind of history aspect to it, but also the RPG aspect and, and everything. So yeah, so tell me, why you didn't put it in your list (laughs) so it didn't pick in my list just because one of my favorite rpgs actually that i remember playing so i'm saving it for another another time probably okay to mention but i'm glad that we've mentioned on this because it's definitely one of those i think not very well known games Mm. uh, that was on the 360 for sure definitely one of those underrated gems that was on there i think as well from what i was doing my research that you can actually get it on the ps4 ps store i think maybe even on xbox like it's definitely been remastered yeah and i think it's available because it seems to be quite popular that's cool i not that i knew that i didn't know it was popular at all i I literally it only popped into my head the other day like to be honest i completely forgot about the game that sounds bad because it's in my top five but it was more sometimes you don't always like trigger a thought yeah and not being funny not every game that you play even if you really really enjoyed it is going to be something that sticks yeah. with you for a really long time like so uh, you know i think i played this back when did it come out just years ago i mean this was like 10 years ago for yeah me, and i'm not gonna remember that because you know 
You know, I'm sometimes old. brains need space for other things. We do have yeah. other things going on that we need to put in our <laughs> brain sometimes. Can't always be video yeah. game knowledge. But then when I was thinking about my 360 games and what I spent the most time playing, and this was one that I was most invested in, so I thought, hey, it has to be on my list. Yeah, no, it's a great game, and I'm really glad you mentioned it. Like you said, it's a beautiful game. I always remember the visuals being really cool. And like you said, it is kind of a traditional like JRPG almost, but it does have some nice individual elements. And I think especially at the time, it was a little bit more like you actually had to do some attacking. It wasn't just pure turn-based, was it? It was like you kind of pressed buttons and defended and stuff at certain times. It wasn't just... Yeah, it did have that aspect. Which was nice. I think at the time it was a lot of you know anything rpg based was still kind of going on the whole slow paced kind of turn-based thing so this kind of mixed up and i remember loving all the character designs and everything in this game yeah it was was really really good i watched a couple of it earlier just to remind myself about it and yeah it was very very good and as i said like the darkness of it isn't overpowering it doesn't take away from like the cool character design and the actual characters in themselves because you almost got sort of two things going on at once and yeah it's, it's a good game awesome yeah, so cool. I do have some facts. Not many at all. It was very difficult to find interesting facts. But um, they believe that Polka, she's, she was the floral powder seller who you sort of bump into in the beginning. Yeah. She is age 14, and everybody thinks that basically his it's sort of based on his sister, on Chopin's uh-huh. real-life sister, who was also 14 when she died. And obviously because Polka is, is terminally ill, she obviously has the magic and everything, so she's almost dying in herself. Yeah. Um, and he's quite sort of a bit brotherly towards her. So, yeah, so that was That's quite cute. cool. Yeah. Um, and also the music in it's quite good. There's the music in there. A lot of it is original. So it was created for the game. But there is a lot of the of actual Chopin's music in there as well, which is really, really nice. It's The soundtrack's really beautiful. So I think they actually feature eight works composed by Chopin as part of the game's main story. And apparently there's some that are optional by listening to like little piano bits found in the game. And also, one thing I remember about the most, which stood out to me, is the fact that all of like, the characters have musical-based names. They do. Which is cool. Uh, and a lot of them apparently represent an aspect of his personality. Yeah. Uh, apparently, so obviously I said Polka is the avatar of his late sister, Amelia. So Jazz is the young revolutionary leader he aspired to be, but wasn't able to, to be like that due to his physical condition. Uh, the characters of Clave, is that right? Clave and Serenade can be said to represent the guilt he felt at safely living in a foreign country. Uh, characters such as Beat and Salsa represent his childlike side and more innocent and hopeful look on life. Allegretto is more like the sceptic within him, questioning why God would allow bad things to happen to good people and also the nature of the world in which only the terminally Ill were able to use magic abilities. There's so much to it and it's quite cool. Like yeah. it's If you're like a fan of like Chopin, then it's like amazing if you like classical music then it's good but even if you don't even if you're not like majorly into music i think it's still a nice game and as well on that line apparently the game's text was proofread by the frederick chopin society in warsaw so that was quite nice i think they wanted to be as historically accurate as possible without losing the original message and and yeah it's it's a deep ass game you know Mm. but it's still a good game but it is, yeah, it's a nice game. Um, yeah, if you're into, like, JRPGs and stuff like that, it's definitely one worth playing. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. It's worth checking out. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I don't have that many facts. It's a bit of a weird one. Sometimes so. there just aren't that many facts. It's okay. Yeah. I know you're fact queen, but it's Not okay. today. Well, I do have one later on that I've got a lot of facts for. 
Oh, I'm excited. Uh, so my number four is Dishonored. Yeah, uh, don't have that. Nah. So this was a, a first-person view stealth action game developed by Arcane Studios. Uh, since the release of this one, there has been a sequel, which I have not played, but very much want to. You play as Corvo Otano, who is originally a bodyguard to the Empress of the Isles, but she gets murked, and then you're framed for it. So you've got to go rogue and seek your revenge as Can an I just say something? Yeah. I've got this on PlayStation, and it's on my list of things to play. I've had it for about a year. I haven't played it. So no spoilers, please. Well, this is the first two seconds. So <laughs> I won't uh, ruin anything for you. That's the main concept of the game. That's about as far as I was going to go into this game story. So you're all good. So um, it's set in the fictional city of Dunwall, which is a plague-ridden industrial place. Um, it's got a weird kind of aesthetic to it. It's a little bit old London-y, a little bit more revolutionary. It's, uh, it's a very cool-looking game, I have to say that. The way they've designed everything feels a little bit grim and dirty, but um, it's realistic, but with kind of a interesting kind of almost wonk to stuff. It's a very cool looking game. Um, the main reason I really like this game is that you get some really interesting mechanics uh, in it um, for how you can kind of complete each mission. So missions tend to be based in this almost open worldy kind of feeling place, but actually it's quite linear. You're stuck in you know, one area doing stuff. Um, but it feels very open because the way you can go about finishing a mission is up, completely up to you. So you can be really stealthy and sneak in somewhere. You can just straight up murder everyone in your way. Um, or you can do a little bit of both. Um, you get numerous abilities to help you do this, which is really cool. And you can kind of use them in and out and pick different ones for how you kind of want to play the game. One of which, which I will ruin for you, Nikki, is turning yourself into a rat, which is amazing. Um, and you can run around and be a rat. So I had to get that in there. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't really feel like you're walking in a cinematic in that sense. You, you get so much choice and so much openness to it. Uh, it's just a really interesting, interesting game. What I will say though, is, uh, the way that you do things also affects, oh. um, this the rest of the missions and the I stories. need to remind myself so, depending to play on how it. It's been literally play, sat in my, uh, in my The missions and the areas that develop depending to, on yeah. how you do. So if you go really, really hard into somewhere, there will be more security around next time because they'll be knowing that someone quite brutal is coming into their, into their place. Um, or they'll set up like different traps and stuff for you, which I think is really cool as well. The fact that it affects so much um, depending on just your play style just feels really nice. Um, that's kind of it. I know that's a very short snap sentence of Dishonored, but it's just a very cool game. Um, there's numerous voice actors in it, which are quite cool. There's, uh, Susan Sarandon, Lena Headley, Chloe Grace Mortez, and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I definitely, I... Sorry, I was, I was going to done the same thing with number two. I keep meaning to play number two because if I enjoyed the first one so much. Again, it wasn't a game I was particularly good at or I didn't feel like I was good at. I think because I wanted to be more stealthy than I actually ended up being. And because of the way that the game develops, the less stealthy I was, the more I had to be not stealthy the next time because of the changes that they make to the surroundings and stuff. Um, which is a really cool feeling, but also I'm just not great. Um, 
So, and I think there's other ways you could do missions. So it's like you could just go in and try and attack them or you could do, or like sneak in and just murder someone or you could like talk to another like ferryman or some smuggler outside and they'd want something from the inside, like a code or something. And then you could go in, steal the code and give that to them. And then they just make whoever your target was disappear. So you could have kind of like a non-lethal end to people as well. So you didn't have to murder everybody. You could just you know, knock everybody out and send people away on boats, which is quite cool. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad that you like it because that means that, you know, it's reinforced my my want to play it. If yeah, you like hopefully, it. hopefully you will like it. Um, one of my facts, I think, don't know whether it's going to make you like it more, um, but was uh, it originally was supposed to take in place of real world feudal Japan. Uh, however, the developers soon realised that they didn't know enough about Japan in that era, <laughs> or Japan in general. So they changed I the location. Does. I know, I love that. They were like, this is going to be a really cool setting. Does anyone know anything about Japan or what it looked like <laughs> in the feudal era? No? Okay. Um, so they, they changed the location again to the London Fire of 66. Yeah. Uh, however, they then decided that because there had been so many changes since the... London Fire of 66 for anything to be realistic or set up they were just like screw it let's just put in a fictional world and make it easier for ourselves which I think is a good call by them but hilarious how they had to go through two things first to get there yeah I appreciate that they wanted to do that Japan idea that would have been a cool idea but yeah I think maybe they were better off not doing that just in case they fucked it up yeah good call by them I think yeah and my last fact is Harvey Smith, the director of the game, and others are proud of the game as a whole, but they did express regret about some of the choices they made for representation. Especially, in, they used the gratuitous like male gaze, so like what? staring at a woman's butt and women's boobs. Like Oh, I did not think you gaze. just said that. I just thought you said like gaze as in like homosexual in, men. No, male <laughs> gaze. <laughs> like the viewing gaze. Because that would have been a cool game. The but male, the you know, male gay, just having gays assassins. I don't know. I just what I thought you said, like gays, G I Z E, just sounds a lot like. It's not my fault. The word is the same. <laughs> it's fine. You're okay. Don't maybe, if I, maybe I wanted the gays. I wanted the gays. I would love solid. gay assassins too. It's okay. We can make this game happen. Good. It needs to be more representation. Yes. Um, agreed. And. Uh, the general portrayal of women uh, wasn't great but the nice thing is they uh, like specifically took it to heart and in Dishonored 2 they had more fluid portrayal of gender as well as a playable female protagonist oh, that's good so it's nice they took that kind of uh, heat or criticism about their game and they kind of said like oh, we don't notice it and you think like oh it's criticism hey you're being silly and then when you actually go back and think about it they said actually that's fair we really want to try and improve on this for people. Uh, and they did, which is very cool, because not often you get that real sense of, okay, we actually listened to the fact that you you yeah. know, weren't happy about that, and we made some changes. But hey, that's Dishonored, and it was a good game, and it's a fun game, and you need to go and play it, just as I need to go oh, and play Banjo and Kazooie. I'm very late to it, but I do have like a, a good you know remastered version ready for me to play it that's been there for like a year. But I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Today's your day. Yeah. Tonight's your night. Oh, it's not my night. I'm so hot. It's okay. You can get through this. We're in at number three. I feel like I'm losing weight, so that's good. <laughs> Just sweat now. Uh, is it my go? It is your go. We're on to number wow. three. 
So this one might be a crossover, but I don't know. We're going. I don't think we're going to have any. We have yeah. different tastes in games, it seems, when we were young'uns. Yep. My number three is Dead Rising. Yes, I thought you would choose this game. I never played it. You don't like zombies, is that why? I don't. Um. Yeah, actually, it was one of those things where I felt Dead Rising at the time came out at the time when there were a lot of zombie games. And I think I was just tired of them at this point. But See, I do remember mm. you guys really enjoyed it. And I think it was more because everyone I knew was playing it. And it was kind of making me go, I cannot be bothered to play this. Everyone I know is playing it. See, you'd be surprised. I looked up the history of zombie games. And actually, there wasn't very many. Resident Evil was a thing that happened toward the late, you know, 1990s. And there was like one more before Dead Rising. But this was as the zombie games were sort of starting. But really, I think Dead Rising Mm. was quite different. Because if you think back to it, there was not that many games like Dead Rising. The zombie games were either quite serious or, you know, really horror based. Whereas Dead Rising, I think, was very different. And I think that's why I liked it. So Dead Rising is an open world survival horror beat em up game. It was developed by Capcom and was the first entry in the series of the same name, released in 2006. So what it is, is it follows Frank West, who is a photojournalist. He sneaks into this town of Willamette, Colorado, to investigate why it's basically been sealed off. And he discovers that it's basically suffering a ginormous zombie outbreak. And... (laughs) That's all the warning tape about not don't go in. I mean, yeah, like, don't go inside, Frank. The National Guard have shut it down. But he's like, no, he's a photographer, pretty much. So he just goes in with his silly little camera. People need the news. People need like photographs of zombies, apparently. So that that was his job. But (laughs) I demand he wanted to investigate what was what was going down. So he basically gets taken in by a helicopter pilot. His name is Ed DeLuca, and he basically is like Frank. You've only got seventy two hours to do the shit. I'm gonna come get you then. So do the shit in that time. Or if you don't, then you've lost the game, effectively. So it was a timed game, like Zelda, like Majora's mm. Mask, that kind of you have to do this in a space of time, which I don't like. I don't like those games because it gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an intense feeling. I've got, I've got enough games. deadlines in my real life. I don't need it in a game. <laughs> I really don't. So Dead Rising kind of incorporated a lot of um, RPG elements in it as well because it had a bit of an experience system. So you could sort of complete various actions to get PP, which is prestige points. Um, so you also got a lot of that from like killing like large hordes of zombies, taking photographs of zombies, because, you know, zombies are fabulous. And you could they get them beautiful shots. You get points for like graphic and gore, some humorous events or scenes. You can actually get photos points for erotica. Oh, So those are photos of female survivors zombies particularly those focusing on the breasts and crotch Man. oh 2006 oh. <laughs> what a what a different world for women yeah I, mean, I love how it doesn't like notice the men like it just says photos of female yeah. survivors I men mean, can be erotic too so you're telling me that I didn't, I didn't get experience points for all those men zombie crotches that I took pictures of yeah no you just did that for fun yeah your personal <laughs> collection I like this one as well it says drama shots <laughs> <laughs> dramatic events such as survivors reactions while in the security room or brutality deaths of zombies and other characters I like that I like the fact that it says survivors reactions I can just see Frank running in with his camera and just taking pictures of survivors in peril and just being like great chat. <laughs> 
yeah give me more baby more terror on your face i want it did he cheat on you in the zombie apocalypse ah let me feel it through the lens (laughs) that's what i'd want frank was a cold-hearted bastard he didn't care as long as he got a good photo out of it so i like you frank (laughs) generally that is the game you are in a mall I don't know if I mentioned that. You're in a mall. You've got a camera. You're trying to find out shit. You're trying to investigate, be a bit of a journalist. And you have 72 hour hours to do that. And there is, I think, a couple of modes once you finish the game where you can just do like certain things, like explore around and things. Um, the cool thing about the game is as well as the amount of weird weapons that you can get. You can just seek out anything, really. Most things are weapons, anything you want. I think I think that's what I liked about it. It was quite different. I think it was one of the first games where you could just pick up fucking anything. Like, yeah. anything. I can't think of anything off my head. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it was anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, I saw it. It was in my hands. <laughs> so anything from, like, the mall stores. Uh, it could be, like, melee or ranged. Uh, anything that's basically useless. It could be firearm, sports equipment, children's toys, furniture construction tools, electronic devices. Uh, one thing I liked was the lawnmower. That was fun. I can imagine that's a good one. Yeah. So you could also put on different outfits. So oh, amazing. The fashion's that was, that sold. Was why, that's why I liked it. You can try out various outfits from the mall's clothing stores, such as a special forces uniform, wrestling boots, a hockey mask, and Mega Man's armour. Man. Yep, don't know why. But amazing. You could, um, you could do it. <laughs> I think as well, like, the reason I liked it was because it was very it was very different. It had this comical aspect, but also the hordes of zombies like z- zombies. <laughs> zombies. <laughs> the horde of zombies. The horde of zombies was quite large. Like <laughs> Sorry. It's just you don't really mess up your words very often and that was a good one. No, that's fine. You're, Those you... pot zombies. <laughs> I keep on you Sorry. enough, so you're, you're, it's fine. Um <laughs> lost my train of thought so in a lot of zombie games prior to this you would often just come across a few zombies maybe like five or six whereas in this game you could like come across a lot of them you could be in the mall and suddenly it was like a full horde of like 20 or 40 actually apparently i'm just gonna get one of my facts right now Ooh, is that one area they reported that up to 800 zombies could appear on screen look at that wow. That's, That's cool. So yeah, that is a cool fact. And I like that because I felt like it was like a movie. It was quite realistic. It felt like oh, you know, because five zombies, pff, I can deal with that. Whereas you know, eight hundred, yeah. I'm like fuck, get the lawnmower. <laughs> Gonna bring out the big guns, mow those bitches down. Yeah, but it was a fun game. It you know, it was a bit silly, and the later ones were good as well. But this yeah. one, I think, was the one that I played probably the most. Yeah, it was good. It was it was definitely one of the first kind of zombie games that were appearing, and I guess it's very well known for that. So I was just going to say, like, I think I've just always imagined it being a totally different game from what, <laughs> what I think it might you, actually be. What did you think this it was, was? Well, so I knew it was a zombie game, and I knew it had some humour to it. Um, but I think, for whatever reasons, maybe I was watching a later one or someone playing it, but I thought it was a lot more about crafting weapons and stuff. You can craft um, weapons, yeah, and more in the later I ones, thought, I think. I think I thought that that's mostly what it was. I didn't realise there was any of the photography stuff involved. I think I just thought it was just a general zombie. You're running around, you're crafting different weapons, and it's a little bit funny. So I think I missed that kind of 
well, different I think, and interesting side to that game, which yeah. is why I don't think I've ever played it. So now I'm hearing this, I'm like, man, this sounds great. I can't speak for the later ones. I think I played two. Right. I think. And that one was good. That one still had the the kind of comical aspect. However, I can't say much about three. Yeah. That one looks more serious from what I've just had a look at. But one, I think, was, yeah, it was definitely not that serious. I think maybe there was crafting involved, but not really. I think two was a bit more crafty, as was three. Yeah. But yeah, Dead Rising 1 was just really kind of just... You just wander around them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking <laughs> photos zombies. sounds great. I didn't... I, yeah, like I said, I didn't realise the photography aspect was involved at all. It's definitely yeah. made me want to play it a lot more. Just like, just have a look on YouTube and just like watch a clip of it, just so you get like an idea. Done. Going yeah. on the Twitch. Um, well, not right now. Now you've got to listen to me. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, let's get into some of my facts, because some of these are quite interesting. Which was, um, obviously any zombie game everyone just thinks that it's inspired by george eromero which is fine because you know master of zombies master of zombie yeah. films um and a lot of the inspiration did apparently come from that but capcom did assert that the concept of humans battling zombies in a shopping mall was a totally unprotectable idea like it was fine for them to do they haven't copyrighted it yeah. but you know unfortunately the rights holders for the George Ramirez film, Dawn of the Dead, did not think so. So yeah. they actually did sue Capcom for plagiarism. Wow. Yeah. It must have been because of the shopping mall thing, as far as I'm aware. And yeah. apparently um, on the front cover of the game, it actually states that this game was not developed, approved or licensed by the owners of or creators of George Ramirez's Dawn of the Dead. So they were really right. trying to cover their butts. Yeah. But... They got you're, sued. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you uh, always just don't want to mention it, do you? Like, no. to know that you're, like, well, this wasn't yeah. done by them. But apparently they yeah. picked out a few comparisons and things that they stated, which both works are set in a bi-level shopping mall. Uh, there is a gun shop. <laughs> um, wow. Both works are set in motion by a helicopter that takes the lead carriage to the mall, besieged by zombies. Many of the zombies wear plaid shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, both works feature a subtext critique of sensualistic journalism through their use of tough, cynical journalists with short brown hair and leather jackets as lead male <laughs> character. Both feature the the use of like crazy weapons. Both yeah. works are a parody of rampant consumerism. Both works use music in the mall for <laughs> comedic effect. <laughs> Dead Rising's use of the word hell references the tagline for Dawn of the Dead's release, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. But the suit was dismissed. So the suing did not go ahead because I think they thought wow. these reasons are silly. Admittedly, it's inspired. I don't think they ripped it. I do think it's just, you can't, I don't know. It's yeah, difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because some of those were ridiculous, but some of those you get, like the the look and the, you know, the dropping off in a helicopter, like if you just turned mm. up in a car, you would have been like, fine. Yeah. You know what I but mean? the thing is, I like, think it's too, yeah. I think it's just too broad to be able to make a claim. Yeah, that's fair. There's too many, like, yeah. random... Like I said, most of them have just been ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah, just... You play music in the mall. Like, yeah, it's not a silent <laughs> mall. When have you ever been to a dead silent mall? I think if it was silent, you'd notice quite quickly. Yeah, that It'd would kind be of creepy. creepy. Yeah. yeah. Another fact I've got, which is a great fact, because it leads into my love for Resident Evil, which is there is a sandwich store in the mall called Jill's Sandwiches. And this is a Jill. reference... To see a scene in Resident Evil 1, which I was speaking about before, when Jill is trapped in a room, only to be saved by Barry, who exclaims, you were almost a Jill sandwich. Yep. My favourite <laughs> line of any game. 
I mean, yeah, that's good. That's a good one. There's also a shop called Chris's Fine Foods, which is, they like to think, obviously, it's both kind of like a, an homage to, to Jill and Chris, the original Resident Evil mm. protagonists. Nice. Yeah. So I thought that was really fun. And uh, apparently there is also an achievement called Zombie Genocider, which is achieved after killing 53,594 zombies, which was the population of Willamette, Colorado, at the time when the game takes place, which is dark. Yeah, that is dark. Yep. So basically, you've just killed the entire population of that real town. I think it's a real town. Yeah. Oh. I think. Who knows? <laughs> what was the town name? Uh, Willamette, Colorado. Uh, I mean, well, Colorado's a real place. So yeah, let's I know that. that. So let's just say it's real. So yeah, you <laughs> killed everyone. Sorry, Willamette. You did. Yeah, but that's my uh, that's my number three. Amazing. I liked it. I, I, like I said, I now actually want to try that game rather than just being like, oh, just zombie games. I don't know if they remastered it because I don't know. But I you can have a look. I'll have a gander. Or do you, if you own a 360 or you can just get it. I mean, I do still own my 360. It's sat in a box somewhere, but I still think I own it. So, And mine never read Ringed of Death, so I think it's still fine. Yeah, lucky you. I know, right? Look at me with the working Xbox. <laughs> What's your number three? So my number three is going to be a fun one. Um, my number three is Viva Pinata. Oh, that was going to be on my list. Oh, so it was a game by Rare, or one of our favourite companies to talk about. Um, it's essentially a gardening sim game <laughs> in which you try to lure candy-filled animals into your garden. I think that's the best description I could come up with. That's the best description of a game ever. Yeah, right? What's not to love? It's definitely an any age kind of game, which I feel like is something that we don't feature all too often on this podcast. No, everything is um, just, you know, yeah, all dark and corrupted. I mean, there's quite a contrast between Dark Souls being on my lift and Viva Pinata. <laughs> so um, you see the wide ranging of games that we like to talk about on this podcast. It's starts off and you have a little patch of land and it's all full of crap and things and <laughs> full of uh, crap it's full of just dog shit you know and like people leaving crack needles all, yeah people leaving fridges around there you've got to shoo off the homeless man named frank you know a corpse these <laughs> got to get rid of that mafia corpse that they've left in your pond you know all these things you got to do you got to spruce up this garden make it nice um, and then as you do this, you will attract pinata animals into your garden and uh, they're, they're cute and you want these animals. They're good and they earn you money. So you start adding lots of flora and fauna and then later props and different terrains. You can have like flowers and ponds and grassland. You sound so excited by this game. <laughs> it was a game I have to say that I've spent a lot of time on and it was a game that I haven't played in a really long time and then I was looking up stuff for this game and I was just getting the itching of like I need my fix I need my pinata fix I've got to go to my garden I've got to start making it nice um, so <laughs> it's one of those things I think the thing is it sounds like a very casual very like kid game and it will look like that if you look up the box art but it's quite a uh, it's quite a deep game. It's much deeper than you think it's going to get. Um, there's quite a lot to think about when you're trying to capture, you know, diabetes and duty wildlife. I don't remember it being gardens. deep, but then, yeah, I I don't think I got that far with that. Well, I played it for a bit, and it was a very good game. But I was, yeah, I was going to say because you can't just make it look nice and people like all the animals appear. You've got to 
get certain conditions oh, to attract yeah. you know new creatures and it gets harder and harder the bigger and more rare creatures you're trying to get like some will only come if you've got like a certain amount of uh flowers in your garden and some will only come if you've got a certain size pond and all this stuff is quite easy but then there are other ones that get more complicated to attract so like you have to have a certain amount of other animals in there before one animal another animal kind of joins so like a fox will only join you if you have bunnies for it to eat and if it eats the bunnies it's quite wildlife it teaches you about you know the circle of life this game but what if you get attached to the bunny well then you have to put them in pens or just not have foxes but they will try and eat them, so you've got to keep them in like their own little pen, or they'll just get eaten every so often. Same with ducks. Ducks get eaten quite a lot. Mm. Um, Maybe and this there is why are other, still playing it. Yeah, there are other quite like evil animals. They're like sour, sour types. Oh, of I remember those. Animals. Fuck those. Guys. And they were like the red versions, and you could attract them if you had like more evil-looking plants. But they would come onto your land and like drop bad sweets and stuff, and then they would the animals would eat them and become ill so you'd have to call the doctor out there was lots to think about um you could decorate them you could like put hats on them you could uh you could eventually then start sending your pinatas off to parties to earn money um and whore parties right (laughs) hardcore rave parties for these animals to get beaten with a stick (laughs) and then return with your hard-earned cash it was a dark game i tell you (laughs) <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. Sorry, I don't. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, now it makes sense. They're pinatas. They would obviously be used at a party. I just yeah. thought when you went to send them to parties, some kind of like you know raves and shit. To, oh, like, they just have sell drugs nice, and stuff. Yeah, keeping drugs inside your pinatas. I mean, it's not a bad, you know, business. It's I just, just not. I just forgot they were pinatas for a second, even though we're talking about Viva Pinata. <laughs> the clue is in the name. <laughs> Yeah, there was and there was other random stuff you had to do or you could do, and honestly, it did get quite complicated eventually. I don't think I've ever. It's one of those games you can't finish either. I don't think, like, you can just get to a certain point where you're like, well, I've collected all the animals I ever want to collect. Like, I can, I can either continue forever or, you know, get rid of everybody and start again and try and build a different kind of, um, garden or whatnot. But how would you be getting rid of them? Well, then you'd have to start again. And also, oh. you can just... Uh, <laughs> I think you can sell them. Massacre. So you okay. can sell them for money. Uh. Okay, that's good. That's the ethical way. Yeah, like the whores they are. You can also beat them. You do have a shovel. And if you beat a piñata enough with a shovel, it will explode. Oh, this is... And you can collect the candy out of them. Different time. Yeah. <laughs> In one hand, it was a super light and friendly game on the other hand it could get dark as shit yeah. i think that's why i liked it um it, it's honestly one of those games where it's a very nice game just to relax with i remember playing yeah. it a lot when i had a lot of uni work to do it's one of those games and it's one of those things where you can kind of turn your brain off a little bit and just be like i'm just gonna make something pretty a little bit stardew valley-ish on those kind of i agree games. i really, really liked it it was really relaxing and it was really nice it was a good game it nearly made my list but i think others just beat me to it just because I didn't play it as much as I wanted to. I can't remember why. Maybe it was the fact that my Xbox broke. But um, yeah. yeah, it was a good game. It was a fun game. Um, I don't. I couldn't find that many facts for it. I have to say, it was a difficult game to find facts for. Um, I don't know how well it sold, if I'm honest. Um, but the facts I have are: uh, originally, a dung beetle pinata animal was planned to be included, but ultimately, it got left out. 
The plan was that it would leave droppings on the ground which could be used on plants for super growth. I just like the idea of this beetle coming in and leaving shit all over your garden. I'm sad that this wasn't a thing. I know, right? I would have loved more bugs. You didn't really get that many bugs in the game. No. Um, I really loved the fudge hog. He was a cool one. Yeah. He was the hedgehog fudge guy. Um, and uh, the game contains a few references to other rare games. As Ooh, just like in Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Exactly, just as they do. So there are Banjo and Kazooie statues. Are they in the um, trash? There's no, no, this time they were on the shelf oh. of a store. But you can't buy them. They're just in the background decoration of Costalot store. Um, it's like Banjo holding a jiggy. And then there's one with like Mumbo Jumbo and Captain Black Eye. Who I'm pretty sure is like the walrus or something in one of those games. Um, mm-hmm. And then more references are in the uh, accessory shop of stuff you can buy. You can buy your piñatas, bottles, glasses, Grunty's hat... Jam Jar's helmet and Jiggy earrings. <laughs> Amazing. I want Jiggy earrings like, in real life. I know. I was like, these are all things I want. Um, and if it wasn't obvious enough that Banjo and Kazooie was everywhere in this game, there's a mountain at the background of the garden with uh, Banjo and Kazooie's faces engraved into it. Cool. I like that the idea was they started off subtle of just having them in like the background of the stores <laughs> and they just went, fuck it, put their faces in the background of the game on a mountain. <laughs> yeah that's i like that yeah uh yeah it was a lovely game uh it's full of color and wonderment and (laughs) is a good game to play with small children i think it's it does a nice job of being very accessible and uh good learning curves and that kind of thing yeah don't smash your animals yeah don't hit them with a shovel i mean you will get money so no (laughs) it's not not good it's not that's (laughs) not a lesson that they need to learn no it's fine Oh, is that it? Uh, sorry, yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. Oh, good choice. I'm glad it's in there. I would have been sad if it wasn't because I feel like Vivian Pinar is a little bit like a poster boy for the 360 in some ways. Yeah, I think it was one of those early games that you got with yeah the game, you know. So um, my number two could be a crossover. I'd be surprised if it's not, and that's Fable Two. Oh, you have stolen my number one. Uh, I've done it again. You're always the person who steals things. I don't think I've ever stolen one of yours. <laughs> you have done. I don't think so. You just can't remember, remember it because it's been like been a good... compressed by my feelings. <laughs> so I'll let well, you then. have your little dime on Fable Two when I'm done because oh yeah, I good. stole After it. you're done with it again, <laughs> when I'm done, you can have my seconds. So back up. Fable 2 is an action role-playing open-world video game in the Fable game series. It was developed by Lionhead Studios and published by Microsoft Game Studios for Xbox 360. I don't know what year it came out. Do you know what year it came out? Um, it came back in 2008. Oh, okay. So the game takes place in a fictional land of Albion, 500 years after Fable's original setting, in the colonial era resembling the time of Highwaymen or the Enlightenment. Guns are still pretty primitive at this point, but there are a lot of large castles and cities that have been developed in the place of town, so it's a little bit more further on than, than the original. Also, the best thing about this game is that the player could choose to be either male or female, which was amazing, and it's definitely yeah. the game that I think the favorite game that I played the most. I think because of that reason, I was very excited by the fact that I could be female. Yeah, I have to say, I don't think I played the first one a lot. I mean, it was yeah. on original Xbox, and I didn't own one of them, but also mm. number two 
it yeah. was the best one. Yeah, I definitely, I remember Fable 1 quite a lot because I remember it was the first ever game that I was just like, oh my God, I've never seen a game like this before. This is amazing. But yeah, when Fable 2 came out, it was just so like, they'd really perfected it. Yeah, they'd taken the idea and yeah. run with it completely. Uh, Fable games always have great voice actors and visuals as well. That's one thing that was always very like, synonymous with the series mm. so to give a little bit of a story to fable 2 it begins in the city of bowerstone where the protagonist a young child known as sparrow so it can be either male or female lives in poverty with his or her older sister rose they are kind of like little child hobos uh they <laughs> dream of living <laughs> just the terminology child hobo made me laugh i'm sorry i don't know what you called them back then really it's kind of what they were um street urchins yeah same thing so they dreamt about living in the castle fairfax which was the home of lord lucian their fantasies were cut short when they hear a commotion down at the market and apparently a man who goes by the name of mystical mergo great name is selling magical wares uh he's selling a mirror that apparently makes them beautiful um they're only in complete darkness which is hilarious because i could totally do that have this mirror but look at yourself in the darkness and you'll be beautiful (laughs) He was also selling a magic box, and this magic box grants one wish. So they ended up saving up all their money, and they also, in this time, found a dog. Worth mentioning. They Always mention worth mentioning a dog. bought the box, and they wished that they could live in Castle Fairfax. Then the box disappeared in a flash of light. They didn't think it was working. So, But anyway, in the middle of the night, they're awakened by a guard who escorts them to the Castle Fairfax on Lord Lucian's order overjoyed that their wish came true they follow and they meet this guy and he's a bit of a dick to, yeah. to sell it you know yeah and mildly <laughs> something happens with the box i can't remember it like explodes or something and then lucian gets really angry and then he proclaims that they're not um they're just, uh, they're just it's all bullshit and yeah. he shoots rose <laughs> i can't be bothered to explain all of it he shoots rose <laughs> and then he shoots sparrow who falls and then the rest of the game i'm not going to spoil anything else because that's just the beginning is you kind of just doing stuff in the world and it's really good it is. <laughs> it's a good game it's a good uh it's a very typical us description of the start of that game i loved it i'm sorry i wanted to i wanted to give like a nice backstory to it but then i just started to get bored <laughs> I got bored of my own voice talking. <laughs> I do. That's what happens in this podcast. So it does. it's worth mentioning that a dog I just mentioned is a companion that you be- you befriend as a child and they're with you throughout the game and they're just amazing. Best companion ever. Oh, I forgot I how much... I it in my yes, best companions. You did. And before this point, I forgot how much of a good companion they were. So maybe I would put them in my list if I'd remembered. But apparently also the dog can change colour depending on the player's alignments, which is similar to happens with the player in the game as well but apparently if the player remains neutral then the dog will remain grey uh being good will turn the dog coat dog's coat to golden and evil it will turn to black so that's cool i'm just going to mention a lot of these kind of things with the game and just sort of avoid the story part of it because i think it's bad like if anyone ever wants to play i'm not going to spoil it yeah one of the things i liked about the game was that you could get married and have children (laughs) there was a lot extra stuff yeah you could do with this game i think that's what i've made most of my notes about is all the other stuff you could do yeah other same than quests so you could also get divorced which yeah. is which is fun um i remember you had like a little house that would be like your house yeah, you and could your... buy houses 
yeah, I remember my house was pretty cool when I had all the children in it, and I got quite attached to the children, to be honest, until one of them just disappeared. Oh, yep. that's sad. Don't know where it went, just disappeared. Just it was one day. It was quite upsetting. Um, I remember always trying to pick the most attractive husband, which was always really hard in Fable 2, because a lot was... of the character designs are quite ugly. It's so hard. So that was one of the things I had to write about, was just like... I think I ended up marrying a lot of gypsies because they were the most attractive Agreed, uh, yeah. town people. Um, I think I had like a wife at one point and a husband from the gypsy area. I think yeah, I, I you switched. could have multiple, right? I think. So I think you could uh, definitely like have stuff with both of them. I don't think you could marry both of them at the same time. Uh, oh no, because um, they had like a little ring on their head, didn't they? Yeah, and then obviously children and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely had like a wife and then also a, a bit on the side guy. Yeah. I remember the funniest thing with trying to find an ideal husband or wife in Fable 2 was that you would find someone, you go, oh, that's a that's an attractive character model. And suddenly they'd speak and you'd be like, oh, no. Because <laughs> it would be like, I can't even do an impression of it. But it would just be like hobbledy gobbledy, you know, like just terrible yeah. voice actor. Oh. Yeah, it'd just be like, oh, I have now, I Yeah. <laughs> I think I found a very beautiful woman once, and she just turned around and was like, all right. And I was like, no, no, it's not all right. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't want anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I got to admit, like, a lot of the accents were great. Apparently, um, the only main character without an English accent was a, um, a guy called Garth. Garth? I don't think I remember Garth. <laughs> he was... I can't remember either. I did Google him and I did kind of recognise him, but it's irrelevant. Garth was the only one without an English accent, so it was a very English-British accent game. And sometimes that was problematic when it came to marrying people. Yeah, it's fair. Um, One thing I'm going to throw in while we're talking on the subjects of, you know, husbands and wives and children and stuff, was this was, like, one of the only games I know where you have to buy condoms to have safe sex. Yes. This is- teaches you about sexual health this game because if you don't then you get diseases i'm pretty sure that's like the only game apart from maybe some weird games out there that have been made recently that you that would happen there yeah. was there was there's something else and i don't know i want to say something to do fallout but i don't i don't know i swear there is another game where you can get diseases but yeah for the most part i think this was probably the first ever game it's the only one i ever remember i know as well that like I remember it would like pop up on the screen, wouldn't it? When you got a like a disease. Apparently, it wasn't. It wouldn't really do much other than potentially lead to you not being able to have kids. Oh, so quite real. Yeah. D- deep. Very deep. But yeah, so you could have kids. You could get AIDS. It was insane. Oh man. It was a very real game. It was. Um, there was a lot of flirting to get to get married and to find wives and husbands. It you would do this by performing expressions or giving them gifts, uh, and they'll become infatuated with you, which was fun. Yeah, and weird. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. I just always remember standing in the middle of towns, like performing for the whole town. <laughs> you know, when you could just you did a series yeah. of things, like you'd pose and you do something else, and then some people would be like fine with it but then you do something really gross to make people some people laugh like, like burping seems to be good for this crowd i just <laughs> gonna belch and fart my way through this i think my first husband i just kept burping and being gross and he fell in love with me and i was like this is the one <laughs> yeah i think i had a similar one <laughs> um i was like he loves like, me for life. me 
<laughs> so do you remember as well you could get like hairstyles and beards and weirdness like that yeah yeah also i think what was quite cool was how similar to the dog your appearance would change if you were good or bad so apparently good players will have like a pleasant looking hero that would have tan skin and light hair which just realized is quite a stereotypical you know yeah is, is that the stereotype of good looking tan skin and light hair that's that's I not mean, good classically barbie but uh, apparently more evil players will have a more frightening look with pale skin and black hair. Again, I'm offended. <laughs> My gothic ways have turned against me once again. <laughs> uh, pure players will find that their hero will have a clear complexion and a halo, while corrupt players will have their hero with a flawed complexion and horns. These scales are independent of one another, meaning that it's possible to be both good and corrupt simultaneously or any variation, which is clever. Very clever kind of mechanism. Yeah, it was a really cool system. And I don't know whether it was this one or the third one. I could be thinking of the third one. But you could also get quite fat and then thin again. Like You could change your I feel like that was the second one. Because I think it was in both. And it depending on what you ate for health. So, because you could buy, you basically had things like pies. And then you could also have like celery and stuff like that that you could buy. And depending how much of each thing you ate, you could either make your character really fat or really thin. Uh, which was another weird little thing you could do which was quite cool also apparently I don't remember this but the game had co-op not online co-op just you could have a player in the game who would sort of generate as a generic hero yes so I have done it before but it's unfortunately it's one of those games where it's a little bit like you have your main person and the co-op person is just like a tag along they're not really earning any extra XP or having like their own thing Mm. they're just kind of like helping you so it depends you know what you feel like but yeah if you want to actually have like an adventure together it's not the greatest game for that that's fine um i have a couple of facts here i'm going to read this one out as i wrote it uh (laughs) that is james gordon is a random guy and that was in caps lock as well (laughs) (laughs) what james gordon is in it as a random character like npc amazing (laughs) I just went on IMDb and just had a scroll. That was literally like, and I just wrote, like, <laughs> typed down James Gordon, random guy. Um, also in caps lock, Nolan North is male hero. Which That's it. I don't really just... remember because I didn't play the male one, but I don't remember voice actors as the protagonist. But that might just be because of my bad memory. Yeah, I don't remember ever speaking any any of the mm. Fable games. I just remember it being one of those like link things where you're silent and everyone else just talks at you. Yeah. Do you want to do one of your facts because we'll alternate? Because, you know. We'll sure. I've got a couple of facts. Uh, one of my facts is um, the Swarthy Revenge Indigo Die is an obvious reference to the character Ingo Montoya from The Princess Bride, which is one of my favourite nice. films. Yeah. Uh, this is supported by the statement in the description of you have crushed its flowers, prepare to die, as in spelt D-Y-E. Uh, and this is a parody of his famous quote, my name is... Ingo Montoya, you have killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> nice. I did see that fact. It's a good fact. That's my one of my nice little facts. Do you want to do another one, or shall I go? Sh- oh, sure. I've only got one more. If so, it's mine, I'll kill you. But go for it. Okay. Well, you've stolen my number one, so don't think you get to be picky. Um, the hero was going to actually be able to die, and then one of your children would take over instead when you revamped. Oh. However, this was cut due to game testers having several children just so they would have extra lives 
So all it was doing was making people spawn lots and lots of children so that they would have multiple uh, wow. lives. I mean, interesting dynamic, but also weird. Yeah, quite funny. So my last and final fact is a good one, which is apparently there's a loading screen, which meant as a rumour that the hero of Oakvale murdered the guildmaster and carved your health is low on his forehead. So this is a reference to the original fable and the, the guildmaster who every time your health is low would tell you this, similar to Navi from Ocarina of Time. So the fact that he was murdered and your health is low is <laughs> screwed on his forehead is quite funny. I feel like that yeah. that represents how a lot of people felt about the Guildmaster. Yeah, it is like when they reference Navi, that is, it's one of those, yeah. hey, listen, kind of moments. You're like, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know I'm dying. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my facts. Shut up. Yeah. That's some good facts. Uh, and I'm again, obviously, I'm glad you mentioned Fable 2 because it was going to be my number one. It's one of my favorite games on the Xbox 360. Yeah. And still is. I've played it on Game Pass recently, again, just because I was like, I think I was trying to get Max to play it or something, and then he wouldn't play it. So I just ended up playing it myself. <laughs> I was like, fine, if you don't want to play it, I'll do it. I think that is one of the only reasons why I do kind of want an Xbox One is mostly to play things like Banjo-Kazooie, and yeah. and fable that that's the it, only downfall that i've got it's great for playing your old library of games i have to say the backwards compatibility element of the xbox yeah. one is nice but one day maybe i'll own one maybe maybe be like me and just own whatever because of games yeah so so that's number two yeah what's your number two so my number two is and I don't think this is going to be a crossover because I don't actually know if you've ever played this game. Oh, okay. uh, is Split Second? No. It is a racing game, not to be confused with a 1992 film that apparently existed uh, with Kim Cattrall in it. I did not know this <laughs> until I was trying to Google things for facts, and then I was like, "Well, this is not what I want at all." Um, it's an arcade racing game, a little bit kart racery, but it has very much more uh, realistic kind of. Uh, visuals. It was created by a studio called Blackrock Studios, who are sadly no more, and published by Disney Interactive of all people. Wow. Um, it's basically, it has kind of a story behind it. Um, it's that you are racing as a part of a fictional reality TV show uh, consisting of a variety of events, each focusing on destructible environments that are triggered by the drivers. So... Uh, it was a very cool game for this whole mechanic of you'd be driving around and building up uh, a meter and then during the time when you've got this you'd be able to do something called power plays and then these would be used to do like small things like disrupt the drivers in front of you so like little like picking up power ups uh, so you could blow up a truck in front of you and it would like swerve someone off you know off their pattern of what they were doing or you could drop something on them and it would again like disrupt their play playing like these are all ai as well um but they played really well which was nice um but then you could also build up your meter to the top and then do these massive ones where you would blow up like half the track and change the track a lot you could also basically murder everyone in that area if like you collapsed a whole bridge and then if anyone was on that bridge that was it they'd be dead um it was so it was a very cool way of doing a realistic kind of racing game with a complete like kart racery kind of fun element to it um it's one of the only racing games that i've ever really gotten into and wanted to like 100 percent racing games aren't really my thing i've played a few of them 
over the years and enjoyed you know a couple of them here and there but this is one of these ones where i got really into it um i think just because they were quite simple like the controls and stuff there was a lot of focus on drifting so it was a little bit like burnout in those kind of games um and although compared to like more realistic games like forza and things it was one of those things which was really simple to pick up but quite difficult to get like goals on every single level which was you know my kind of racer it was like a nice kind of it's easy to learn how to race i don't have to yeah. be really good at it or good at racing games um but also the more i work at it the better i become and there were different types of levels like it was some just straight races but there was also ones we had to avoid stuff and th- someone would be throwing like barrels out of a thing at you and shit it was good it was a good game yeah that's actually reminded me though and i'm angry at myself now that i didn't put burnout paradise on my list oh my goodness i'm glad that i reminded you to how did uh... i forget about that game but yeah sorry i don't want to interrupt you but it reminded me of that (laughs) that's okay um it was i have to say kind of like burnout paradise it was a really nice looking game it did visuals really well so although it was quite realism it probably wasn't the same standard of realism as like we said like Forza and horizon and stuff that, that were the big games at the time um but it did something really clever where it basically uh put a lot of like effects and cool lighting stuff and blurs and stuff everywhere and it made it feel more like um i guess like a fast and furious movie it had that kind of nice edge where you'd like see all the lights blur out and things um I'm saying Fast and Furious movie. I've seen like one of them. I'm <laughs> pretty sure it was the crappiest Let's one. Let's pretend you're cool and young. <laughs> yep. I know what the teenagers are listening to. It's Vin Diesel. Um, <laughs> he's popular, right? <laughs> um, and I have to say, the UI is very nice in this game. It's not, you know, the only reason why I've chosen this. But I've, I can appreciate a good UI system. It's uh, it's good. It can get a little bit janky. But there's some really nice stuff where they put... Um, so your power play like level is on the bottom of your car. It like sits spatially on your bumper. Um, I've used a fancy word. But it's... it's Yeah, it looks really nice. And it kind of sits with your car. And uh, so the information and stuff is all in your screen on your HUD. Which makes it cool. Um, it's probably one of those games where... Yeah, like I said, if you're into kart races this is kind of probably going to be your stream of racing game. So if you've never played it, I would definitely try it. Um, I don't really, again, I don't have much to say about uh, this other than it was a fun game. And in my opinion, it's like one of the best racing games. Hmm. Uh, And sorely underappreciated game, I think. I can't say I've played it, but uh, yeah, cool. Well, I have it here. So uh, we'll play it. I'll make you play it. Um, (laughs) There is like multiplayer and stuff like that, uh, as well as like the campaign mode where you're kind of competing in this um i feel like we've uh, we found a lot of games that, that i need to play that you own but it's a shame that we live two hours away from each other yeah yeah one day you'll move one day it'll be a very intense visit and you'll just be like this one and this one and this one <laughs> we'll just sit together but not talk we'll just keep passing games to each other that we're <laughs> supposed to play well right now this one we are streaming these days so maybe well, if a yeah. game is well, I don't think it would be possible to play an online game that old, but, you know, streams. Reach for the stars, man. <laughs> Anything's possible, if you think it. We can do it. I'm hallucinating. I'm so warm. <laughs> oh, God, okay. Let's finish this up quick. Um, I couldn't really find any facts either for this game. It was hard. Uh, the only fact I have, which is more of a statement, is that it was supposed to be a sequel, uh, was hinted to at the end of the game so at the end of the game it says coming season two 
Um, but alas, Disney forced BlackRock to close before that could happen. So it's all Disney's fault. Uh, and fun fact, uh, BlackRock Studios was uh, Brighton-based. And I say it's fun fact because that's where I live. So it used to be a Brighton-based studio. And I know where the studio was. I see it every so often and uh, it's not there anymore. It makes me sad because I'm thinking, you know, I really want more split second, but... And now hey. you know where she lives. Yeah, now you know my She wasn't going to tell you this fact. She edited it out where she was saying, hmm, do I or do I not? But, <laughs> you know, prove her wrong or right and, and go stalk her. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, Brighton's a big place. Don't stalk Steph. We're not into stalking. I'm only joking because I'm trying to make her uncomfortable. <laughs> Well done. You've exceeded. You've taken my number one that's and thunder. you know you've ruined my life. Sorry. Did you just say that's I wasn't thunder? Just... <laughs> yeah, because there's thunder happening right now. It's not just my line. <laughs> that's thunder. <laughs> Nikki's got a new catchphrase. No, there's legitimate thunder happening right now. We're going to be in a thunderstorm shortly, so I best skedaddle. Um, let's try and get this finished up before I <laughs> get struck by lightning. All right, number one, what is it? Makes <laughs> it sound like I'm outside. I'm not outside. <laughs> Just sat in a little chair with a laptop and some headphones on. But also with like a lightning rod above her head that she's yeah. built. <laughs> That's how she's powering her laptop right now. Oh yeah, I don't have any power. I just live with the seagulls. <laughs> um, a radio tower. <laughs> so my number one. Uh, wasn't going to always be my first choice because I actually forgot that I first played it on Xbox 360. And when I realised that I did, I thought, well, pff, it's got to be this. Which is Mass Effect 1. Oh, uh, yeah. Lovely. Which we've spoken a lot about Mass Effect. But we not have. that much in the game sense, I find. A lot of characters, but not so much the game yeah we've i think we've spoken up our general love for the franchise and i actually don't think we've ever spoken about one that often no it's probably normally like two yeah so mass effect one was quite important to me really it was one of the first rpgs especially when i first picked it up i was still quite young that i was just like oh my god this is amazing and i'd already had a love for kotor and Knights of republic by bioware which is obviously a, a space rpg but when mass effect came out they just they really nailed it so Mass Effect is an action role-playing game developed by Bioware and it's published by Microsoft Game Studios and Electronic Arts. So it was originally released for the Xbox 360, which I didn't know. So it was actually originally for that in 2007. Uh, I don't know when it came out on anything else, but it definitely originally came out on that first. Yeah, because you can't buy the first Mass Effect on PlayStation 3 just as a single yeah. thing. It never came out on it. So it only came out when it was put in the... Um trilogy package yes i think i got it on the store when it first got yeah no that's true that's a very good point yeah so to give some (laughs) to give some backstory to mass effect uh it is set within the milky way galaxy in the year 2083 sorry oh god numbers 21,083 which isn't really that far off now is it so we'll all be dead so probably i might not be (laughs) oh yeah you're gonna live forever yeah i forgot about that so it was in the year 2183 where interstellar travel is possible for the uses of mass transit devices called mass relays hence the name mass effect this is a technology believed to have been built by an extinct alien race known as the protheans so to give some little bit of backstory to mass effect it, it we're you know we're living in the future and there's aliens and 
so we can go to space. This is my great explanation starts. <laughs> we can go to space, and there's aliens in space, but there's also aliens on Earth, and there's a big government named... <laughs> what? Sorry. I'm just enjoying it. There's aliens in space, there's aliens on Earth, I think people aliens need to, in your house. People need to note that when I start the podcast, I do my number five, I'm reading from a, a good script that I've written out about, you know, the game, and then it gets to the end and I'm like, there's space and there's aliens and there's things happening. The notes have got out the window it goes the seagulls. So, yeah. In all seriousness, it's on Earth <laughs> and there's aliens and there's a council called the Citadel Council and it controls a large percentage of the galaxy, and it res- it's responsible for maintaining law and order among the races of the galactic community, because otherwise all fucking hell will break loose. There's lots of different races. These include humans, Asari, Salarians, and Turians. They're the ones on the council, but there's other alien races that we've spoken about in other episodes, uh, called the Quarians, and also the Geth, and also the Krogan, who I love. Hmm. And the protagonist of the game is the amazing Commander Shepard, voiced by the Mark Mir, who does the male shepherd, and Jennifer Held is the female shepherd. And they are a graduate of the Systems Alliance Special Forces program and a candidate to become the first human special tactics and reson- rec- oh, that's a hard word to say. Reconnaissance force, mm-hmm. which is basically Spectre. Yeah. So these agents are given broad authority by the Sister Council to protect the ga- galaxy. And to just summarise, that's the kind of setting of it all. What happens is things go to shit. There's some bad aliens, there's some good aliens, some things happen, end of the world kind of shit. <laughs> oh, what happened? Um, and you're basically <laughs> tasked to protect the galaxy, save the galaxy somewhat. And you make a lot of friends along the way, and it's a Bioware game. Do. Don't need to emphasise the amazing character relationships and everything, because I feel like that's very obvious. But it's yeah, it's a we really good game. So I've always found with Mass Effect 1 that it was way before its time. And, like, I remember just being amazed at at the visuals of it all and just the story and how the story was just... It was like a movie. It was just really amazing. All the story writing and everything. I think it just fascinated me. I liked space anyway because I liked Star Wars growing up. And Night Star Republic was great as well. But Mass Effect was kind of like this perfected thing. And it was just a great game. Yeah. It was. It was a very good game. It's it, mm. one of my favourite game series, so I'm think, very glad it's been mentioned. I think that's why I had to put it on this list, because I remember I didn't buy it. Like, this is what happened with a lot of the games back in the old days when I was quite young. I would just... Someone in the family, because the family were quite, you know, big gamers, would, would purchase it, and I would just find it and go, this looks cool, let's put it in and see what it is. So I was always, like, pleasantly surprised when something was really good, but I would yeah. have no idea what I was in for. And that was always really nice, and I kind of miss those days, because you don't really get that anymore. Yeah, you don't just discover games yeah. laying around, like, your house. You've actually got to, like, research yeah. them and work out what you want to go and spend your own money on. because I'm an adult, and I can buy video yeah. games for myself, mostly. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know, that joy of finding them is Simpler still times. a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, it was, it was just, yeah, it was great. Just a yeah. good game. I, I have to say, you introduced me to Mass Effect. You get that, um, You're that title. Uh, and quite late, actually. I think, I don't know what we were doing. I just always remember you being like, have you ever played this? Because I was looking for a new game or something. You were in the game store. And you were like, you need to try this game. Because I think the third one was just coming out. God, that is so late. around that time. Yeah. I was really late to the series. Um, I probably did that because I was like, well, I can't be friends with her. She doesn't play Mass Effect. Jeez. I know, right? I'm such a loser. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was looking for something. And then it was during the summer that we worked at the bar together. So um, I think it was like... 
I had nothing to do during the daytime. Yeah. So all I did was play Mass Effect and I blasted through all of them. Yeah. Because I was just like, really oh addictive. My God, and the story is, the is just yeah. amazing. Yeah. It blew my mind at the time. And I just remember sitting in my bed. Like, I also was in attic room, so sweating my balls off. But like, <laughs> I can't, I can't not sit and play this game. Yeah. Like, I can't not do it. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, as I said, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I will mention that the it kind of has a dialogue option thing with the whole good on bad, kind of like Fable 2. Mm. So that was one thing that I really enjoyed because that was quite a new thing at that point where you could be Renegade or Paragon. And I just liked the fact that there was always the asshole dialogue option or the nice dialogue option. And if you wanted, you could just smack someone in the mouth if they pissed you off. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was rewarding. I think I yeah. only ever did it like one time to one guy and I was just like, no, you've pissed me off. Yeah. You got me. So that was quite a cool feature. And also the combat, admittedly, was not good in the first one compared to the other ones. And yeah. neither was the Mako driving. But they really, okay. they did fix that in the later ones. And it was kind of like a, one of those games where I wasn't that bothered about the bad combat because the story of the game was so good. And I think that's always a testament to a good game where you're like, oh, okay, the combat's a little bit shit, but I, I need to know what's going to happen. Like I need, you're so invested yeah. in the story that it doesn't matter too much. Yeah, you can forgive it for those sins because, you know, they outweigh. Yeah. So I'll delve into some facts. So talking of Knights of Republic, which was a Star Wars-based RPG that Bioware made, uh, apparently working on KOTOR gave Bioware the idea to create their own interstellar universe, which isn't surprising, really. They wanted to branch out and ship a universe all of their own that wasn't based on Star Wars, and apparently the success of the other KOTOR games gave them the green light from EA to pursue that. So that's kind of how Mass Effect was born. Amazing. And supposedly films such as Star Wars, Alien, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, Blade Runner, Starship Troopers, and apparently Final Fantasy Spirits Within were major influences on the atmosphere and artistic qualities of the game. Amazing. I mean... Yeah. Also, to, ref- to reference the another Bioware game, which I mentioned in one of my other episodes, which is Jade Empire... Apparently, the main composer of that did the music for Mass Effect because his music ability was just great. So that's nice. Yeah. I do like the Mass Effect soundtracks. They're always nice. Yeah. It's definitely a, a very, like, characteristic feature. So yeah. this is a good fact. Oh, these are, these are good facts, actually. This is where all my facts come in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Got to fill my time. So fans of extraterrestrials might have thought the Solarian race looked a little familiar upon seeing them the first time. This is because Bioware base the race off of the little grey guys from Area 51. We'll be seeing those soon with everyone running into Area 51. Oh yeah, when we storm the castles <laughs> we're going to make best buds. Gotta see them aliens. <laughs> so yeah, they based them on them. So they are, they did make them a lot taller and a lot more colourful than the race they're based yeah. off of. But uh, yeah, so that was a fairly obvious do, fact. Yeah, do love me a Solarian though. They're all, like my yeah. third favourite species a less obvious fact about the solarians and this might not be relevant because i can't remember if morden was in mass effect one or not but we're just gonna slide past that yep (laughs) i don't think he was but it doesn't matter because this fact made me laugh apparently morden was based off of clint eastwood's weathered mug (laughs) i like how this fact says weathered (laughs) mug i'm not insulting clint eastwood's face but it's just what it said it so, is a weathered mug, though. <laughs> <laughs> apparently from the scars on his face from battle uh, and how Morden purses his lips. Apparently. 
I've never seen it before, but I'm going to go study some Mass Effect and see how much I can see. I've had to, I have to quote this, this quote again, which um, this fact, which basically says, you might want to think twice before demanding the cure for the genophage from Morden next time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's true. It's just, yeah, I'm going to think about it now. <laughs> also, another funny fact is that apparently the original name of Mass Effect 1 was going to be something totally different, which is going to be Science Fiction X. What a super, like, yeah. uninventive name that is. And then it was going to be SFX. I mean, that's just... Special effects, <laughs> kind of. Say. Sort of, but different. Yeah, yeah terrible names. Thank, thank goodness they uh, they changed that. Oh my goodness. Who was in charge of that idea God session? Knows. They it... must have just been like, so what plans have we got for this? <laughs> Special space effects. Done. Science fiction. (laughs) It's like the first words on a word map of like descriptions about what you're making. It's like calling a horror game horror. Yeah, calling a horror game scary game. Yeah. A funny fact is that there is a man called Mark Vandloo who is a Dutch model who looks exactly like the model of Shepard from Mass Effect. And supposedly he is... Like a clear inspiration for the model of Shepard, but yeah. he doesn't really want anything to do with Mass Effect. So he's yeah. never appeared in any of the promotional material. He's never attended a public event. He apparently is on record for refusing to appear in full N7 armor at a cosplay event. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous. Speaking so, yeah, so, so he doesn't really want anything to do with it. But uh, yeah, so someone here was just like, I wish he'd just do it. Just to shut <laughs> yeah. everyone up. Yeah, just give everyone what they want. Yeah. take some pictures and you never have to do it again he'd look miserable in all the photos but it would be quite funny I think I mean male shepherd has a pretty miserable face anyway yeah. so I think we're fine so yeah if you're curious google Mark Vandaloo and you'll see Shepard he doesn't want to be Shepard but he's Shepard <laughs> that is him yeah Right, my next fact is that apparently if Erdnot Rex is in Shepard's team and Shepard speaks to General Septimus in Chora's Den, Rex makes the comment, how did your kind ever defeat us? To which Septimus replies, I may be drunk, Krogan, but you're ugly and tomorrow I'll be sober. And this is a reference to a phrase spoken by Sir Winston Churchill to Bessie Braddock when she accused him of being drunk, which I thought was funny. It's a good one. Because all Krogans are amazing. Yeah, I do love Krogans. They're my favourite. And my last and final fact which is really going to be the fact of the evening, which I'm yeah. glad about, and you'll enjoy. I don't remember this, but it's brilliant. So, apparently, there is a shifty-looking cow, and this is a space cow found on the planet Ontarum in the Newton system of the Kepler Verge. An otherwise normal member of the species, the shifty-looking cow likewise has a dialogue option that does nothing. When Shepard turns around, however, the cow promptly begins to steal Shepard's credits slowly and will even follow the commander around. That's it. It's just a I cow. I never knew that. That's amazing. Just a that cow steals, steals your, your money. money. Shifty goddamn cow. I don't that's... remember any of that, but it's genius. Yeah, that's a great fact. Well, you might and not remember it. That cow. Because no. he was just sneaking sneaky and stealing your money. Yeah, you just wouldn't notice, would you? Just no. be thinking it's just a cow just a weird space cow yeah, so is it a space cow or is an actual cow um i don't remember ever seeing any actual cows anywhere i all i know is his actual title is the shifty looking cow and he is a space cow apparently okay <laughs> so his so name is the shifty looking cow and his species is is space cow fair all right i know who to who to point out now but you also know if you say space cows 
it sounds like you're saying Spice Girls in Scottish. <laughs> Say it. You're wrong. That Say is it. the fact of the evening. <laughs> Space cows. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? Oh. Space Maybe cows. I'm... Space cows. <laughs> It's not, I'm not saying space cows anymore. Oh, I know so many people that are going to be like, why the fuck did she say that? She's been saying that for so long. She needs to stop saying that. It doesn't sound like spice cows. I'm going <laughs> to... Oh, no. It's descended into madness. It's too hot for Nikki. We need to get her out of the room. It's, it's pitch black in this room now, and I'm just very warm. It's not got colder. <laughs> I am also sat in a pitch black room. So we're just sitting in a pitch black room saying space cows. Does it sound like spice cows? I don't think it does. Space cows. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast starts off so well. <laughs> Descends into madness every time. This is why we don't do them as often. Mm, yeah. Agreed. It takes so much energy. Right. Well, that's the end of our top did you five. want to mention the backups though because i did story number one yeah let's uh so i don't have any more information about my backups so let's just talk about the backups that i liked um the backups i have written down here is bayonetta which i've mentioned before on this podcast i think i mentioned on the first one of the first episodes uh a protagonist she's a very cool game it's very much like dmc if Devil may cry it's like hack and slashy kind of gameplay she's a sexy lady she wants to beat you up by being a witch and has hair who turns into a cat suit. What's not to like? Uh, a DMC is also on my list because I also really enjoyed that version of Devil May Cry. Uh, and then Mass Effect, my great love for Mass Effect is on here. Nice. Uh, uh, because I felt like I'd spoken about it way too much before and yeah. I couldn't mention Mass Effect again. Uh, well, I and did. you did. I don't think that's about it. That was all my that was all my backups. I didn't uh, actually make any backups to be fair, but I was I was gonna put Viva Pinata and now I'm gonna put Burnout Paradise on there. I'm also gonna put Fallout Three on there because I actually think I did play Fallout Three for the first time on Xbox, but I can't remember. So I'm just gonna skim that one by. But yeah, I also wanna mention Gears of War just because it's a good game, but the problem is I didn't play much of the campaign. I just used to play yeah. multiplayer, so I couldn't justify putting it in my list. Yeah, same with, like, Halo. Player. I know Halo is such a big franchise, and I love Halo on this, but I didn't really play it on my 360. I played pretty much all of them on my Xbox One, so I was super late to that game. Yeah. And I hope... Or I played it on the Xbox original, so it was, like, one mm. or the other. I hope we didn't lose subscribers from not mentioning Gears of War or Halo enough, but, you know, I, know. I don't care. On an Xbox 360. But we like to throw you some curveballs in there. We're not going to just give you, you know, all the traditional stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll do a PlayStation 3 one, and we'll mention some more traditional ones on that one from the same era yeah awesome well it's been good i'm gonna go jump in some water that's a good plan i'm gonna go i don't know just recover just generally recover um before we go though we are gonna probably do some more streaming at some point soon so keep an eye on our twitter our twitter is at game till five uh you can follow nikki on her instagram and her twitter at what nikki i link cat with two e's and you can send us a nice email at uh, gametill5 at gmail.com. And I think that's all the shit that I have to well, do. you can join our Discord as well if you want. Uh, you can probably oh, yeah. find a link on our Twitter somewhere. You just if have not, to... we'll repost it. Yeah, just we'll repost us. it every now and again. But yeah, definitely keep an eye out for our streams. We'll be continuing our prison break holiday shortly. So keep an eye out for that. 
Yeah, there's going to be a fun time as we return to the farm. And uh, keep an eye out for any other new things that we have going on. I think we'll probably put some random stuff up soon. Like, yes, drunk game till five. And for anyone that's still here, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're so sorry. Uh, Good night then, Nikki. 